Father, we're thankful that we can gather here today. We're thankful that we gather under the truth and the reality that you are faithful to us, that you are faithful to your promises, that you are the same yesterday, today, and you will be the same tomorrow, that you do not waver, that you um, aren't blown and tossed by the winds of change and our culture and our society. We're thankful that what is true about you has always been true, and it will always be true. And there is safety in that and security in that. We thankful, we're thankful this morning that we do not have to manufacture our peace, that we don't have to manufacture and create our own sense of well-being, but that we can rest in who you are, that we can rest in your promises, that we can rest, that the things that you say are true are true. And I pray that as we sit down here and as we listen over these next few minutes that this would continue our posture this morning of seeking your face. So give us ears to hear your spirit. And Lord, I pray um, that you would unite us over these next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. Well, good morning and welcome. My name is Bobby. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, Thank you for coming out this morning. And if you were here last week, we started a mini-series entitled uh, Sabbath Way of Life. Sabbath Way of Life. And this is our first little mini-series that we're going to dip in and out of over this coming year, where we're going to look at what we call spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices, those means that God has given us to become followers of him, to to grow in being with him, becoming like him, doing the things that, that Jesus did during his time here on earth. And we, we began this year intentionally with talking about Sabbath, um, and we've defined that as a life of slowing down and resting in God himself and in his grace to us. Slowing down and resting in God himself and in his grace to us. And we intentionally chose to begin the year with this because last year, mentioned this last week, last year we sent out a survey to um, our congregations, both here at Northwest and Soma Midtown, Soma Downtown, and just to gauge our health. How are we doing as people? How are we doing following the Lord? What does that look like in our lives? And one of the things that came back was that we as a people struggle to rest. We are not at rest. We do not practice rest. Rest is not something that, that defines who we are as a people. But as we saw last week, Rest is central to who we've been created to be. Rest is, is part of what God did in his creative, after his creative work. Rest is a way that we worship God. That Sabbath is an invitation to experience wholeness as God himself is whole. 
And what we did last week is we looked through a number of different passages in the Old Testament where God commanded his people, Israel, to rest, to honor Sabbath. And, and even though we, we said last week, you know, there's, that's not a one-to-one comparison for us. You know, we as, as the church have not been called to follow those same religious um, uh, days, and, and, and I think sometimes Christians have gotten weird with how they talk about Sabbath and when, how to practice Sabbath and what Sabbath day really is. There are some principles that we looked at that apply to us, ways that we should think about our lives as God's people. We saw that meant that God's work, of God's creative work, it rest meant that God's work was done, and rest for us means that our work can be done. That rest is also a celebration, a celebration of God's work. He, he, he set aside that day to rest, and he blessed it. It was a celebration that his work was done, and it's meant to be, rest is meant to be a celebration that our work is done. We can rest because we know that God will provide for us while we rest, that we don't have to work ourselves to the bone because we are afraid that we will lose something, that we will miss out on something, that we won't have enough. We can rest because we know that God is at work while we rest, and he will provide for us. We saw that resting is worshiping God. Resting is uh, worshiping God. Sabbath rest sets us apart as God's people, that we aren't controlled by the narrative of this world. We aren't beholden to the identity that everybody else says that we should have, that rest marks us as people who worship God and who find rest and peace and safety and security in him. And then lastly, we saw that rest reminds us, it speaks to us that we aren't slaves but that we are free people, that we aren't slaves to the system of this world. We aren't slaves to capitalism. We aren't slaves to our jobs. We aren't slaves to the identity that other people say that we should have. We aren't slaves to the opinions of others, but that we are free because we find who we are and our ultimate worth and our ultimate value in who God says we are and the work that God has done on our behalf. It is good for us, and it is glorifying to God to work hard, to take advantage of the opportunities and the talents and the abilities that God has given us, but it is equally as good for us and glorifying to God for us to rest well, for us to rest well. So before getting into today's scripture, what I want to do is kind of have a part two from last week. And I want to drill down a little bit more on this vision of a Sabbath way of life. What does it really mean for us to rest? Before I do that, I want you to know, this is what I'm going to say over the next few minutes. This is not, you know, thus saith the Lord. This is, you're not going to find this mapped out for you in scripture. But this is me as as you look at your life and, and ask the question, what would it look like for me to rest? What it would look, what would it look like for me as a, and, and our family, my family to rest and to slow our life down so that we can rest in who God is and his grace to us. And the first part of that is to rest means that we have to cease our work. 
We have to put down our work. We have to stop working. So let me ask you, is there a day of the week? Is there a half day of the week where you do not do anything that you know to be work? Is there a day of your week? Is there a half day? Is there a period of time during your week where you do not work? What would that look like? What would that look like to have that time? What would it mean to carve out a space during our week where we do not work? Well, maybe if you work a nine to five, it means that you have a day of your week where you don't check your email where you don't check your work messages, where you don't check in on your team at work to make sure they're okay and they, they have what they need. Maybe it means that, that you uh, uh, tell them ahead of time, like, hey, this is when I'm available, but this day I am not going to answer. I'm not going to respond. So if you need something from me, get it to me beforehand or wait till the next day. If you work from home, if you're, if you're self-employed, maybe it means not going into your office at home or your workspace at home. Maybe it means putting up your, your organizer, your files, your computer, putting them out of sight so that you don't see those things, so they don't raise anxiety when you look at them and be like, well, maybe if I, I just need to check this. I need to check in on this. Uh, you know, maybe if I know we have people in here that, that do direct sales, and so social media is your office. Social media is the place where you work. Do you have a day of the week where you do not check social media? Even if it's for fun, even if it's for pleasure, that you step out of your office for a period of time to rest and to be away from that. If you're in ministry, do you have a day where you get ministered to? If your life revolves around meeting the needs of other people, either emotionally, spiritually, guiding them, mentoring them, do you have a mentor that you could meet with? Someone that you could sit down with and carve time out regularly, one day a week where you go and get filled up, get encouraged, be blessed in that relationship. If your life revolves around people, and we're going to talk more about this over the next couple of weeks, do you have some time where you could just get away? in some silence, in some solitude, to just get away from other people, to reset, to kind of recenter yourself, to just be quiet. If you're a parent, if you're administrating a home on a daily basis, maybe it means asking a friend or, or one of your parents to watch your kids for a morning every week just so you can get out, go to a coffee shop, go, go to the gym, have some time where you can just rest and you can do something that's life-giving. Maybe it means that, that you don't cook on a certain day and that you are okay with ordering pizza or having a pre, pre-prepared meal. Maybe it looks like you have some snacks that you've made beforehand so that you can just offer those to your kids so that you don't have to cook. Maybe you have a spouse that finds life in cooking and enjoys cooking, and you let him or her take over the meals for that day. I mean, parents, we need rest, right? We, we rarely get that. But what does it look like for us to stop working, even though we have little people that don't care if, if we get rest and that want us to work 24-7? 
But what would that look like? Some of these things require planning ahead. They require looking out in front and saying, you know, if we are going to rest on Sunday, if my family is going to rest on Sunday, then what do we need to do the other six days a week to make sure that we can disconnect and rest on Sunday? Maybe that's grocery shopping, cooking ahead, uh, taking control of the schedule and not letting the schedule take control of us. Maybe it's letting, like I said, coworkers and people that we work with know that like, hey, I'm not going to answer on this day. Like this is my family day. This is our rest day. And so I'm not going to pick up. I'm not going to check my email that day. Ceasing work involves saying no. It involves us being okay with saying no. You could do more. You could produce more. You could work harder. You could squeeze out more of your schedule each and every week. But a Sabbath way of life means that we are okay with other people doing more, with other people accomplishing more, with, with other people getting more promotions than we might get. Parents, it means that we have to be okay, that our kids are not going to play every single sport that they could. It means that our kids aren't going to be on every travel team that they could be on, or play varsity maybe, or be in every uh, uh, play or musical at school. We have to be okay that other parents might look at us and think that we're losers <laughs> for having our kids step back for a season. It may be, it means that we have to be okay with other people looking at us and wondering why we would choose that, why we would choose to live that way. We have to be okay with these things because being able to rest, to slow down, to rest and enjoy God, to enjoy life, to recharge and be renewed means that we have to have space where we quit working, where we say no, where we stop doing the things that put us in that hamster wheel that we spin on week after week after week. So we have to cease our work, but when we cease our work, we also have to create space for renewal. We have to create space for renewal. I think we can all agree that relaxation is not the same as rest, right? The things that so often we choose to do when we relax, like for me, Jody and I relax by putting the kids to bed each night and turning on Netflix. And we, that's our time where we can just kind of decompress. We can just sit on the couch. We can, we can have a moment where we don't have to use our brains and we can just do something that we consider mindless. You know, and, and sometimes we look at days off or times that we have where we aren't working and we think, what is the thing that I can do to be most relaxed? Well, it's sitting on the couch and watching five hours of Netflix. You know, it's eating a bunch of food that I don't get to eat during the week. It's scrolling through social media all day long. And these aren't necessarily bad things in moderation, but what happens? We do those things, and how do we feel afterwards? Worse. 
We feel worse after we indulge in these things for hours and hours and hours than we did beforehand. We're not rested. We don't feel good. We're not recharged. We kind of let ourselves slip into times where we need to do those things. Believe me, I do those things on a regular basis, and I enjoy them thoroughly. But if we confuse what we do to relax with what it means to rest, then we're setting ourselves up week after week after week for not getting rest. Think about rest as renewal, as being recreated, recreation, you know, being recreated. What are those things that breathe life into our lives, both physically, emotionally, mentally? It brings the fragmented parts of our life the things that, that so often just the normal warp and woof of our lives that tend to just pull us apart and pull us in all these different directions. What are those things that bring us together and create wholeness, that, that allow us to move towards wholeness when our everyday life seems to constantly be pulling us apart? Rest has to be intentional because it's not normal for us. It's not normal for us, especially living in this city with all the good things and all the opportunities and all of the different things that we can spend our time doing that everybody else is doing. We have to be intentional about finding times and creating times to rest. And last week we talked about Sabbath rest being both an invitation to know the Lord our God and an invitation to live as free people. Eugene Peterson, author, pastor, he referred to Sabbath in these two terms, that Sabbath rest is praying and playing. It's praying and playing. So let's look at both of those just really quickly. First, what does it mean to rest by praying? To contemplate, to remember who God is, to be reminded of God, that he is in control that he will provide. Maybe it looks like beginning your rest day as an individual, as a family with your roommates by spending some extended time in scripture reading or prayer. Maybe if your week just doesn't allow you to get some of those consistent times, maybe you carve out some of that time one day a week just to begin your day with the Lord in his word, in prayer. Maybe set your reminders on your phone throughout your Sabbath rest day, um, you know, just to, to pray. A reminder goes off and maybe you just say a quick prayer. Maybe you have some verses that you've been thinking about and you just, you know, recite those to yourself just to remind yourself of who God is. Maybe it's singing a song with your kids at each mealtime or spending some time with your kids just talking about uh, at each meal ways that God has been good to your family or ways that God has provided. Maybe it's getting together with friends um, to encourage one another with singing and with just sharing what's going on in my life and how am I seeing God moving and just scheduling that time in with some close friends or your roommates um, each week and having that set time where you just get together and encourage one another and speak life to one another. Like I said before, you know, if you have the opportunity and, and your life allows it, maybe you create some space to withdraw in some silence and some solitude. You know, I know several of you have done that uh, this past year, gone on like a little personal retreat for a day, just gone on, gone out from other people. The goal of this is not to accomplish anything for God. 
The goal of this is to be with him and to enjoy him, to be reminded of who he is, his character, his love for you, his goodness, his provision in your life, to be reminded of your relationship with him. It's not to learn some big truths or to come out of it on some kind of spiritual mountaintop. It's just to acknowledge God's presence in your life, to kind of take a step back from just the normal rhythms of your week and just acknowledge, God, you're here. You're in our lives. You're providing for us. You're faithful to us. So praying, but what about playing? What does it mean for us to live as free people, to enjoy life? I don't know. What, what gives you life? What do you enjoy doing? Maybe you like being active and, and you, you like getting exercise. Maybe it's like one day a week where you just get out and, and that's what you do as a family. You get out, you enjoy nature, you enjoy the outside, you go to the gym together, you go shoot basketball together, you go throw baseball together, you go on a walk or a hike or a bike ride and just enjoy being outside. Maybe it's a day like today where you bundle up and go and just have fun out in the snow. You build snowmen. Do you have snowball fights? Like, what is fun? What brings life? What is just a good time where you can just enjoy life? Maybe it looks like getting together with your family or your roommates and cooking a meal together and just enjoying the process of being in the kitchen and cooking together and eating food together. Maybe it's just getting away and reading a good book for a day, listening to music or podcasts. Maybe it looks like just taking naps. Maybe you just need to take some naps and, and just have some time where you can just lay and, and just kind of sleep and, and get recharged physically that way. It's, maybe it's spending time with friends um, at, a, at, a, at a restaurant that you enjoy or, or over a good meal. Just what are those things that bring you life, the things that you enjoy doing, the people that you enjoy being with, that just allow you to say, listen, I'm not a slave to all of this other stuff that's going on, but I can take a time, I can take time in my week, week after week after week, to do the things that I enjoy doing, to do the to be with the people that I enjoy being with. Again, the goal isn't to accomplish anything. The goal isn't to be productive or to get to the end of the day and feel good about what you've done. The goal is to have fun and to be refreshed and to enjoy the life and the good things that God has so graciously provided us. I was talking to somebody like this, and uh, he was using the analogy of like, I don't know if you all remember this or if you still do it. If you had a Windows computer and you had to defrag it. I don't know if you've ever remember doing that or not, but it was just one of those things that you had to do where, like, for whatever reason, the computer would, you know, have files on your computer and it would save one part of the file here and then in another part of your hard drive it would save it somewhere else and occasionally you would have to like defrag it and that process of defragging would bring that one file that was separated in different places together in one complete file but in the process it would also free up more space more space to use on on your computer and on your hard drive. And the same principle is true when we think about having Sabbath rest. It helps us 
when we just feel fragmented and pulled in all of these different directions, just to get centered back with ourselves, with the Lord, with the people around us. And it creates over time more and more space and capacity in our own lives. And this is where I want to dive in to a passage of Scripture in Leviticus chapter 25. Leviticus chapter 25. I know most of you have probably had your quiet time in Leviticus the last few weeks. That's a pastor joke. And it's, it's really bad. And as it was coming out of my mouth, I was like this. So Leviticus chapter 25. And if you're using one of the Bibles around you, you'll find that on page 59. Leviticus is, we can read this book and we can really get bogged down in some of these things, but basically the Lord is speaking to his people and instituting, this is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to worship. This is how I want you to see your life and the lives of people around you. This is what it means for you to be my people. Leviticus chapter 25, and I'm actually I'm going to read a little bit of a longer passage here through verse 17. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be for your solemn rest for the land. The Sabbath of the land shall provide food for you, for yourself and for your male and female slaves and for your hired worker and the sojourner who lives with you and for your cattle and for all the wild animals that are in your land. All its yield shall be for food. You shall count seven weeks of seven years, seven times seven years, so that the time of the seven weeks of years shall give you 49 years. Then you shall sound the loud trumpet. On the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, you shall sound the trumpet throughout all your land. And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. That 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself nor gather the grape the grapes from the undressed vines, for it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You may eat of the produce of the field. In this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his property. And if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. You shall pay your neighbor according to the number of years after the jubilee, and he shall sell you according to the number of years for crops." If the years are many, you shall increase the price. If the years are few, you shall reduce the price, for it is the number of the crops that he is selling to you. You shall not wrong one another, but you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. 
So what we see here, what we saw last week is that there was a day of the week that God set apart, a day of the week that he commanded his people to observe, to set it apart in their own lives, in their rhythm of work, week in and week out, to rest, to observe the Sabbath, to honor the Sabbath, to rest, to enjoy God, to reflect on God, and to remind themselves that they were no longer slaves, but they were free. And here what we see is that not just just as the people were to work for six days and have a seventh day where they rested from their work, that God also instituted what he called a Sabbath year, that for six years they were to work the ground and their crops and they were to do the things that they needed to do. But on that seven, in, during that seventh year, they were to not sow seed, they were not to prune vines, they were just to let their land get feral and just grow as it would. Um, just to let what grows grow as an offering to God, as a recognition of God's control, of God's control over their space, over their time, over their land, over their lives. But God, in his grace, offered them and invited them to eat of what would grow in the land, to remind them that what they were eating was not because they had produced it, was not because they had worked hard for it, but because God was providing it for them. And then we see here that not only was there a Sabbath year, but a year that they referred to every 50 years as a year of jubilee, where God instituted this year where two things would happen. It was a year of personal liberty, where slaves and indentured servants who had to sell themselves were freed. They were freed from their debts. They were freed from um, their inabilities to pay, which forced them into this kind of slavery and servitude. And it was a year of property restitution, property that had been seized, property that had been taken because of indebtedness was returned to that original owner, the poor, the widow who had to sell their property in order to stay alive, in order to provide for their family, that land was returned to them. God instituted this year and it allowed this year, allowed people in extreme poverty who had lost everything or slaves who had lost their freedom, a way to gain it back that they wouldn't otherwise have. Here's the thing. When you look back through the history of Israel, there's no evidence that they ever observed this. There's no evidence that this was ever part of their existence as God's people. When you look at what God is doing here, God institutes these periods of rest. God commands rest for his people, not just for their own renewal, not just for their own relationship with him, but to communicate that as they rested, as they experienced the peace of God, they were to offer that to others as well. They were to offer that to the land that they worked. They were to offer that to the people who had experienced injustice, the people who were not at rest, the people who were not at peace. Now, again, there's not a one-to-one comparison here for us. We don't live in a theocracy. Uh, we don't live in, a, in an agricultural culture like this. But what do these verses here 
Seda, teaching them that applies to us. And it's that same idea that God is in control, that God is in control over our space, that God is in control over our time, that God is in control over our possessions and our lives. There isn't one thing that you have or that, our, that I have that is not his. Personal rest, personal renewal creates a capacity in us that God expects us to use to bless others. Your Sabbath day of rest is not just for you. Your Sabbath day of rest is not just to benefit you. It's to enlarge your capacity to bring that rest and that renewal to others who are not experiencing it. That's why we call, we've entitled this overarching series of spiritual formation where we're talking about these practices. Is we've said that these are practices, that it's being with, with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, doing the things that Jesus did, not just for us, but for the life of the world. As God's people, when we choose to rest, when we carve out time to rest, when we are intentional about contemplating who God is and living as free people, that we do it understanding that we bring that life and that presence into the world that we live in. As we pray for peace and rest and experience wholeness, we should begin to recognize the unrest of those around us and move towards them. Last week, we talked about what happens when we don't get the rest that we were created for. We, we, we get depressed. We, we get run down. We get weary with life. We get crushed and burdened. We become bitter at those people who have hurt us who, who, or people we think who are holding back from us. We become irritable. We just kind of walk around like this. All the just. Just this under, just, and we're just ear to our happy life. We see others and our circumstances as threats to our happiness and our security. We become discontent. The grass is always greener. We never have what we want. We never get to do what we want to do. We don't have the life that we wish that we have. What we don't have grows bigger and bigger and bigger. When we are not at rest, we tend to isolate ourselves. We live with this scarcity mentality that I have what I have and I've got to hold on to it at all costs or I might lose it or somebody will take it away from me and we remove ourselves from others. We become greedy and we just hoard and we, we create fences around our possessions and ourselves and we don't offer ourselves to others. We withhold ourselves. But when we rest, And when we experience the renewal that God has created us to experience, it creates a capacity in us for loving our enemies. It lessens our need to be better than the other guy. It it, it lessens our need to feel like we have to outdo someone else. But instead, as we rest and as God is using that rest to create capacity, our capacity to lay our lives down for others grows. We can serve others. We begin to see others as people who we can bless. We seek their good. We seek their best over our own. We can love our enemies. We can become people of peace. I can't be at rest 
if I have relationships that are out of whack. I can't be whole when I refuse to forgive someone else, when I have set up a wall with someone else, when I've chosen to become bitter at someone else. Sabbath rest allows me to move towards others with a greater capacity to forgive. Sabbath rest softens my heart to my own need for mercy and forgiveness. It allows me to see as I contemplate God and I carve out space in my life to rest in God and his grace to me. It allows me to see how much I do not deserve forgiveness, how much I do not deserve grace, how much I deserve to be separated from God. And it softens my heart. And it gives me the capacity to move towards people as far as it depends on me with forgiveness and reconciliation. And Sabbath rest and renewal creates a greater capacity for me to be a cheerful giver. For me to be a cheerful giver. Because I recognize that as I rest, God is still working. That as I cease my work, God is still providing. That what I have is not the result of how hard I've worked. That what I own is not the result of how clever I am. That everything I have belongs to God. That he has given it to me graciously and undeserved. And when I believe that, and when I begin to live into that, I can release my grip. I can release my control on what I own uh, about my time, my possessions, myself, out of fear. I can release that fear. And I can move towards people because I'm freed up. Sabbath is more than just a day of the week where we choose to relax. Sabbath is just more than a day of the week where we choose not to work. Sabbath is a day, it's a lifestyle of understanding that God is in control, that God loves us, that God is good to us, that God will provide for us. And when we commit to slowing down and resting in God himself and in his grace to us, we will become people who extend that grace to others. And lead others to find that peace and that safety, that security, and that rest in Jesus Christ. So what we're doing here in talking about Sabbath is not so we're just rested up so we can do more work. It's not just because, so we can be rested so you can come to church here and help us out more. We're talking about Sabbath because it's essential to who we are. It's an invitation extended to us by God, to know him more, to experience his goodness, and to enjoy the life that he has given to us. And the only reason that we can do this is because we have been given peace and we have been freed from the slavery of sin because of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. That because Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. There is no more work that we have to do. We don't have to earn our favor with God. We don't have to earn our acceptance with God. We are free people. 
We are free to rest. We are free to be generous. We are free to extend that peace to others because God in his grace and in his mercy has graciously extended it to us. And so I want to invite you this morning, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, to come and to take a piece of bread, to dip it in the juice. We'll have a gluten-free station in the back for those who need it as well. To come and by this act, by this symbol, communicate to yourself, communicate to others as a community that we are God's people and that we are free, that we are free. This may be stirring some stuff up in your heart, in your mind, and maybe you want to talk about it to somebody. Maybe you want to pray with somebody about it. Uh, Brother Tony will be over here off to the side, and if after you come and take communion or before you do that, if you'd just like to have some prayer, um, you can go and, and meet with Tony, and he would love to just listen and pray with you. God, we're thankful for the freedom that you've given to us through Jesus. And we're thankful that we can stand here and sit here this morning and talk and listen about rest, something that just seems completely impossible in our present day and our present culture, but that we can do that because we know that who we are and that our lives are defined by you, that you have called us out that you have separated us out. But Lord, as you have called us out, I pray that this community would also be a life-giving presence to the world that we're in. That as we experience the rest and the renewal in our own personal lives, in our life as a community, the increased capacity to love each other, to forgive each other, to meet each other's needs, to serve one another, I pray that our community would experience that as well a community that is fractured and fragmented, a community that is not at rest, a community that is so often at the mercy of a just fractured society. And so I pray that we would be people of peace, extending the rest and renewal that we experience to this community. In Jesus' name we pray.